What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 20, season 5. My name is Jim Michael, and I'm joined by the one and only Jack Smith. Travis Ballinghoff is still in Florida. Uh, if you're not listening live, uh, make sure you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and subscribe on YouTube. Feel free to drop us a comment, and please leave five-star rating. Somebody left one last week. Uh, don't know who it was, but thank you very much. Very kind words um, for from you guys, and we'd appreciate more of that. It's very nice. Uh, also, check out our merch store. Tons of new T-shirts available. Check out our Hoobie, H-O-O.B-E. Search uh, at HW Hockey. Uh, so, you know, it's all of our socials on there in one spot uh, and our merch store on our site as well. Uh, and make sure you go check out HWHockey.net where you can find the Pottery Pulley podcast, Time My Skates podcast. Phileas Flyer has a website back up. Anthony DeGrazio is coming out with a podcast very soon. Uh, so make sure you go support the new Phileas Flyer site as well. Tell Anthony that Jim sent you. Won't. There's no discount, nothing for that. Uh, but just so he knows that Jack and I sent you over there. <laughs> uh, proved. Yeah. So another day. What you got there, Jack? You hear something? Yeah. That's right. Fletcher, baby. We haven't even touched on it. No, we have not. It feels like it's it's been forever at this point, right? Like, did we record a show after he got fired? No, right? We, so. we did a couple I think days. We before. did right before the the last time we talked was how he did not trade JVR. Wow. And sure enough, here we are. Next podcast, he's shit canned. Why? Because he's completely useless. And and this is what we said should have happened, right? Like he should have. It was a fireable offense. What more could he have possibly done to prohibit? A firing and so i can't believe he made it this far yeah you know, so yeah I, and I think we came up sense. with excuses the excuses are still out there people are still defend defending fletcher uh i've never seen more hacks uh, hextall hate hextall too i guess hextall hate you know hextall ruined the franchise chuck just didn't fix it and i'm like that's partially true but when i look at sandheim's contract ristolainen's contract even couturier's contract ellis's deal you know hexel had nothing to do with any of those you know and it's uh it's it was a long time coming uh I, a lot of defense of the jvr not being moved his stats are low this team's horrible keep that in mind i know he should have probably been a little bit better he's definitely not the seven million dollars guy but there is no doubt in my mind that a three and a half million dollars somebody would have taken him early in the trade deadline for a third he could have easily made that deal they held back, failed, and between that and the town hall meeting, which we didn't really go over too well, I think I mentioned a few things. Um, they were just like, "Yeah, we got to make a move with Chuck. Like this, this is a we have to do something." That compounds with the fact that I heard Comcast. I'm sure people have heard this. This isn't just me getting this. Um, the whole Pride Night issue, uh, the surprise that Comcast higher ups got about that whole issue really pissed them off. So it's amazing he made it this far. And after the piss poor trade deadline performance, it was adios, amigo. Had to be done, right? I mean, we were saying this last summer. So, <laughs> you know, it, it makes, it still somewhat makes sense to me that, you know, that they, they kept him around, yada, yada. You know, he's going to catch a lot of shit. And he he did all all season long, which, you know, deservedly so. 
but the Flyers introduce Danny Briere, and they're calling it interim, but it certainly seems like he's the guy now. The way he talked during his, his uh, press conference, uh, the way he's sort of being talked about, you know, in the media, uh, on, on other podcasts and such, it sounds like Danny Briere is the GM of the Philadelphia Flyers. And I'm curious, Jack, because, you know, everybody has an opinion, which is perfectly fine. Um, what do you think? Is it okay to put any expectations on Danny Briere before he even gets an opportunity to do the job? It's an interesting question. Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot I can do right now, except for say the right things. And um, I know we'll probably touch on it later, but there's something he's dealing with right now that you would hope he'd say the right things to um, until we get to the off season. And so we start to hear rumors of who they're interested in, what their plan is going to be. And we did get a press conference and he used the, he used the, the, the thou shall not be named word in rebuild, which was a huge for this organization. So good on him there. We're going to do it right. I mean, I've heard a lot of things, but when it's your first introductory press conference, I'll give you a pass. That's what I wanted to hear. You know, I know you might be just be feeding us some shit. That's what I wanted to hear. You know, it's, we're going to do this right. We're not going to quick fix it. We can't quick fix it. No mention of how it doesn't make any sense to make, to quick fix it with how the rest of the division is, but that's okay. And the right way was the main thing I heard. That's exactly what this team should be doing. They should have been doing it for probably a year ago, to be honest. And if, as long as we turn the ship in the right direction, no matter who's at the helm, it's something. It's something we can build off of. It's something I can build off of. So whether he's interim or here to stay, I like what he had to say. It's where this, this organization, this team should be heading, regardless of whether it's Danny Briere or Jim Mikevon in charge. So like you can't go wrong there. So so yeah. So I so one day, two days on the job, whatever it is, a week. You know, so far so good. You know, and uh, obviously we'll see. Come the trade, probably the uh, the trade. Uh, I'm sorry, the draft. The draft is what we're really looking into. And um, right now it's a lot of hoping and praying. Fingers crossed. Get your rabbit feet, your four leaf clovers. Let's jump into that top five. God forbid, number one overall, and uh, see what happens there. See what he does from there. That's going to change a lot. And then we'll really have our answer. I think he's going to be the guy to do all that. I don't think he's going to carry us from March till June and then they'll bring in somebody else. I'd be very surprised if that was the case. Other positions, sure. But for, I, I think they're going to roll with him at least for the next season. Were you surprised that he came out and said the word rebuild right away? Like that word's been taboo. Uh, uh, you know, within the Flyers organization forever, really. Were you surprised that on day one, he said that word, I think not once, not twice, maybe three times he may have said it. Were you surprised by that? A little bit. Part of me is like they finally, Fletcher was brought in here to move past the Hextall rebuild, if you even want to call it a rebuild. He was brought in to win. He was brought in to push the team over. So he really couldn't use the word rebuild. That would mean whatever he did was a massive failure. Whether we all know it, you can't admit it. That's why he said a lot of dumb shit like we're 12 points out from a playoff spot. We're the fifth most improved team. You know, shit like that. Like that stuff. I was brought in to bring this team to the next level. 
I'm going to grasp on any straw I can. Briere's completely brand new. He's in a unique situation. It's, it's his first GM job as well, where guys who have their second go around, you expect a little bit more from, especially in, in a GOATS. So Briere's new. Uh, he's obviously, we all know how horrible the team's been. He pretty much could have said anything he wanted up there except for sell the team. And um, so I was a little surprised that like he got the okay to say it. But as far as a team building uh, situation and perspective, I'm not surprised. And I'm glad he had the balls to use it because it's exactly what we needed to hear. And it's exactly what the team needs to do, whether it's a massive or partial or whatever, the word needed to be used. So I will not. Yeah, I was surprised. But at the same time, it needed to be said. I was uh, surprised. And you know what? I'm wondering because that word, they were so worried about using that word, or at least I'll assume that they were worried about using it for the longest time. For whatever reason, I'm going to assume it's because they want fans in seats. That too. I'm wondering, I mean, if you're on social media, there's, I would say, a pretty, I don't know if I would say overwhelming majority, but I would say that there's a majority of people on Twitter who want a teardown who want a rebuild. So I'm, we know that we know that the flyers organization is on Twitter and I'm not talking about the Twitter account itself. There are people who monitor what is said amongst the fan base. And I'm wondering if, Hey, the, the fans want a rebuild. We can say this word now we can do this. It's okay. You know what I mean? So I'm wondering if that had any influence on it. Um, it certainly had to have, when you think about, you can be a casual fan where you're like, I bleed green. I like the Eagles and the Phillies and the Sixers. And then the Flyers are a distant fourth. If you're that kind of fan, you know, this team should have rebuilt. You know how bad things are. Their numbers have been horrific over the last five to 10 years, depending on what years you want to really look at. They've had historically bad power plays and penalty kills. They have broken records for everything you don't want to be break records for and be known for, whether it's goalie started in the season or power play percentage or penalty kill percentage, like in overall franchise poor seasons, they have strung together multiple ones in a row. Like you could be somebody who doesn't even like hockey, but because it's Philly hear your fair share and no shit is on fire. Cause it's never been that way in, in Philly. It's never been that way with the flyers. They've always maybe one season, but you're not going to pick up on that after one down year, two down years. When it's a decade, you're going to know. You're going to hear. You're going to hear on the grapevine, you know. And they everybody knows. Nobody's showing up at games. We already talked about the New York game and those jokes of the fans. I'm telling you, like, let's be real. They don't know hockey. The, the New York fans are there because it's. You know, they're good. When that team is socked or when they release their letter, they're rebuilding, they were nowhere to be found. You know, there, there's no old school jerseys there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe there's a Mike Richter here or there. Or well, it's just, I think just even needing a letter like, well, says right. a lot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, it needs to be explained to them. You know, dumb it down. You know, but like seeing that in our, your own stadium, like, come on. Like people who don't even f like hockey know something's wrong you know very wrong like it was it was absolutely time to do something 
everybody knows. And they did. They, to their credit, they finally did. Like I, I, It's probably begrudgingly. We heard that they wanted to wait to the end of the season, which whatever. You know, we've seen this before, but it needed to be done and it was done. Everybody knows it's a worst kept secret in of all time. Like how bad things are here, how much things need to change. And from what we're hearing, it's not just the GM. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed there should be more moves. I'm talking about adding. I'm talking by addition from subtraction. And I'm talking about the front office. So let me ask you, uh, Jack, because I mean, I think I mentioned it earlier today and it seems, it seems like everyone has a different opinion of what a rebuild is and also, you know, what a timeline looks like for rebuild. So like I could be on Twitter and say, yeah, the Flyers should rebuild and the timeline needs to be two years or the timeline needs to be four years obviously a rebuild in two years would look a lot different than what a rebuild would look like in four years so my question to you is what does a flyers rebuild look like in your mind and how long would you say that it's going to take for the team to be you know uh, i would say contending for a playoff spot every season because uh, like let's face it they just need to get in. Like they, they're not going to be a contender. I'm going to say it. I'm going to be generous and say at least, at least three years. When I hear rebuild, I'm like, well, it's going to be at least three years until anything good, anything that I want to happen happens. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, curious to hear your thoughts. What's a rebuild look like? How long do you think it's going to take for them to, you know, to get to, perennial playoff team spot position so it's pretty much whatever you're thinking for perennial playoff spot and and actually stanley cup contender whatever is in your mind i'm pretty much going to double if you think they're going to be there in two years you know playoff team bubble playoff team um i'm thinking closer to four maybe three we meet in the middle of three and a lot of that context here you know, it's not just them. It's not just the Flyers as an organization and a whole. It's their division. It's a lot of what the teams that are there are still doing. A lot of the teams that are hanging on are still doing. A lot of the contracts, a lot of those teams all have, especially the older teams still have. It's not going to be an easy transition to sneak up in there with the Rangers and the Devils and the Carolinas. Those are the good teams, you know. And Pitt's not going anywhere. Like they might not be the same. They're not the same team, but that doesn't mean they're going to disappear. They're going to try to, you know, tweak things and still go with Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and whoever else. Washington as well. They're going to keep. They're not doing anything, any kind of rebuild until Ovechkin at least passes the record. You know, so that's like your whole division right there. And who's the other team I didn't mention? Columbus. They very well could get Connor Bedard. So where does that leave you? You know, so I'm, I'm, and they might not. It's, it's, it's odds are low, but they yeah, already added Gaudreau. They've added other names. They have a very good GM. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to go for it any real soon. The team's going to play. The team's going to do the best they can. They still have issues staying healthy. If they can stay healthy, they'll be in the thick of it. But ultimately, when it comes to the who's making the playoffs and who's not, there's too many good teams in the East and especially the Metro. So. 
taking that into consideration to what they need to do with their own team and their own bad contracts and their own massive injury issues. I don't see how you could really realistically say, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs in two years. You know, three seems lucky, uh, proactive, or I'm sorry, um, optimistic. And four seems more like it because a lot can change in that amount of time. And, you know, you figure what you don't know who you're getting in this draft. If you if you get a top pick and you wind up with the Michikoff, you know, you got to wait, you know, a couple of years before you can even come over. Well, there's that pushes back your timeline right there. And uh, since I dropped timeline, let's get one thing out of the way. When it comes to a rebuild, there is no timeline. Let, take Washington, for example. They drafted Ovechkin number one overall. What was it? 2004, five, six, right in that range. They won a cup in 2018. All right. So there is no timeline. You just make your team as good as you can and you do the best you can. So don't get hung up on it. It's not worth it. It's silly. It's something that's being thrown around there. Like, oh, we can trade a Carter Hart now because he doesn't match the timeline. There is no goddamn timeline. They have so many stupid contracts. They have no money. The cap doesn't seem to be going up much. There's not much they can do about it. They're not going to give up quality picks to move on from these contracts. If they had one, maybe I could wrap my head around it. They have like three or four. It's not happening. Sanheim's got eight years starting next year. You're not getting out of that. I, I don't see it happening in the offseason. You know, you got you still got to move on from Hayes, who seemed to be like a shoe in to be traded. That's not going to be as easy as people make it sound. What the hell's going on with Ryan Ellis? Does he still even exist? Sean Couturier skating again. What the hell does that even mean? When's he going back out? You know, Atkinson, nobody knows. Like, they have so many questions and issues with this team. How could you set a possible timeline with everything they have? All the issues they have, all the uncertainty, all the moving and shaking in the front office. It doesn't make any sense. You're just going to draft where you can, add talent to this team, try to get bit, bit, get rid of bad contracts, and then maybe reassess in a year or two and see what's realistic at that point. All right, so let me say this. So I appreciate – I can understand where you're coming here uh, from here when you say there shouldn't be a timeline. You should just worry about doing it, doing it right kind of thing, right? I think I'm the opposite in the sense that I need to know when it's going to be over because for somebody like me – and this is just my personal feelings here about this. I don't want, I don't want any part of a long-term rebuild. You know, it's – just how I feel. I, I know you know that already, but it's like, wait a second. This we could be going. We could be the Buffalo Sabers. We could be the Edmonton Oilers here. And I know things are great now, but it took them a little while to get to that point. So I'm I'm kind of like, I need to know when this is going to be done. If I'm going to be on board with this, right? Because like I said, I hate rebuild. If I'm going to say okay. Flyers are going through the rebuild. I'm, st I'm still going to watch games, still going to talk about them, still going to be interested in them. I have to know when it's going to be done. Or else it's. I feel like I'm just looking into the abyss. You know, like it's just going to be never ending. And it's like, in a all right, so in a perfect world, you know, you get seven draft picks, one for each round. And I don't know, maybe you hit on two of them. Maybe. Each year, and in a perfect world, you develop these players. They become good prospects. They make your NHL roster, and they actually contribute, right? Because what we've seen in the past, however many years, is hey, yeah, these guys will make the roster, but they don't necessarily contribute, and they get thrown into the mixer. They bounce back up and down, yada yada. I I don't want to see that. 
Um, I want to see talent as everybody, as everybody does. I think my way of doing it would go out, put talent on the roster as soon as possible. You get seven draft picks every year. If I trade my first draft, and I know, you know, this, this is not fantasy hockey here. This is just kind of how I'm thinking. If I trade my first three draft picks of next year's draft or this year's draft, and it brings me in good, you know, very good players. I don't know what players, I don't know, but players that'll help me make the playoffs next season. You know, I'm going to have draft picks again the next off season. And so while the team is competing and making playoffs and fans are still having fun because, Hey, the team's making the playoffs, yada, yada, I can still draft. Well, uh, that's kind of been my whole thing. It's like, wait a second. Why do we have to wait to watch good hockey while, you know, you rebuild the pipeline? Why do we have to trade good players for, you know, draft picks in the hopes that we draft another good player, you know, like, like, all right, Kevin Hayes, absolutely understand, you know, you want to move him. Doesn't fit the timeline. Number one. I mean, okay. So when I say timeline, cause I'm going to correct myself here. Cause I say that, what the hell's a timeline? Kevin Hayes is 29, 30 years old. Flyers are looking for players under 25. So in that sense, doesn't fit what the Flyers want to do. I understand why you would want to move a guy like Kevin Hayes. Uh, who else has been rumored to move? And Ivan Provorov. So it's been rumored for years now that this guy may not even want to be in Philadelphia. Uh, he's been playing top-line minutes for the Flyers, 20, 25 minutes a night for the last couple bunch of years. Maybe you explore trading him to see what you can get back, you know? Uh, I can understand that. But when I hear players like Carter Hart, who the Flyers haven't, 30, 35 years old, Flyers haven't had a goalie until Carter, like like a, like a, a potential star goalie, as young as Carter Hart, under team control, who they drafted since, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. Did they draft Ron Hextall, Jack? I don't remember. They did. Okay, so like Ron Hextall was the best goalie that I've ever seen until... Carter Hart. And, you know, people want to argue like, hey, he's not Dominic Hasek. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. He's 24 years old. Go back and look at Carey Price's numbers uh, before he turned 25. Go back and look at uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's numbers before he turned 25. You know, if if the, imagine if the Penguins and the Canadians traded those two goalies. I mean, the Canadians never won anything, but let's so let's focus on Marc-Andre Fleury. Imagine if the Penguins moved on from him before he hit 25. I mean, come on. They, they had this uh, a perfect example as Carey Price. I can't tell you how many times the Flyers, among other teams, were linked to Montreal and Carey Price because they had um, Halak, who was, you know, who was going to play and playing well. And Price was the heir apparent. But, you know, there's there's with a goalie, there's um, there's bumps along the way. And they were thinking about moving on from him. If they, I get it. They didn't win anything he wasn't the issue. He wasn't the reason why they didn't win anything. If they would moved on from him, there's no way they win that trade. And they give away what's one of the hardest things to find in all of sports, an absolute stud goalie. 
So you have to be very careful with you, what you do. This team is rebuilding. They've been rebuilding before they ever said it. They're horrible. They, they have, I can't tell you how many losing seasons for the first time in the franchise history in the last 10 years, a goalie is not going to play well behind that. No goalie ever has only one was ever worthy enough. And they weren't as bad as I tend to make them sound in Buffalo with Dominic Hoshik. Like he's going to have bad numbers because he's playing with a very, very bad team. He does the best he can. If you're playing a position that automatically comes with a sports psychologist, it, it means something when you play with a very bad team who hangs you out to dry consistently. I'm not stupid enough to pull a plug on heart at this time. If they did trade him, they better get an absolute haul, like something stupid. I don't think he gets traded. I don't think he gets traded this offseason or next offseason. I, I think it's just being floated to see if anybody bites to, you know, just for whatever reason they can think of. I mean, why not? They had that bad of a season. Every, you, you, if I'm the GM, I get, everybody's available. You know, okay. is anybody going to get mad at me? I just point to the record the last five years. And then I ultimately do what I'm going to do. So they're not going to trade him unless somebody is stupid enough to, like, give us their whole farm. Because it ain't happening. I, if I'll be absolutely shocked if he's moved, and it's silly that it has to be talked about, but that's that's where we are now. To go back to rebuild length. All right, I understand what you're saying. Here's the problem: they are tied to a lot of anchor contracts. That hurts what you want to do in bringing in talent. The cap's not going up like we like to. You're going to have to pay guys like Noah Noah Cates. You know, you're going to have to pay guys that have performed. Allison, I meant to say Tippett, like maybe not this year, but you have to keep that in mind for the future. You can't go trade a bunch of picks and bring in a known talent because known talents cost money. You don't have that money. Between Ellis, Couturier, Atkinson, Ristolainen, and Sandheim, among the rest of your team, you don't have the money to do that. And that's why, that's why, because a lot of people don't want to rebuild, you don't really have a choice. There's no other way to go about this unless you get incredibly lucky and sign some guy to a one-year deal and he just fig puts it all together. And even then, that's a short doesn't fit the rest of your team. I, I, I don't see how you get out of this with what you have already and the issues you have internally. That's why it's like, you know what? Things are already on fire. You might as well let it burn to the ground. And I say that I don't want to trade everybody. I don't think it's necessary to trade every asset the team has. That's silly. Just because you say rebuild doesn't mean that everything must go. It's not like that. You know, you just got to be opportunistic and smart. And somebody like Hayes definitely should go. Wouldn't mind if Provorov went. You should get a haul for these, for Provorov at least. Among other players, and then you know, reset the deck and go from there. See what you got. See what you can move on from, and we'll see what what Danny B is capable of. But I don't see another way out. I appreciate your what you would like them to do, and I, I've noticed that in the past. But even then, they were limited, and we see what what we have and where we wound up, and it just didn't work. It didn't work. It, I thought it was faulty to begin with because they didn't have enough real talent true talent and until you get that you might as well restock the cupboards and and recharge and then i throw in how good your division is and your conferences and it's like yeah if there was ever a sign when to do it it's friggin' last year but we'll take now 
Well, it looks like it's coming in. What are your thoughts on those who seem to th- to say, well, actually we are in year two or year three of the rebuild already? You know, because like I said, rebuild could mean a lot of different things. You could rebuild the roster without tearing it down, drafting, yada, yada. I mean, think about it. So the roster from two to three years ago is pretty much rebuilt. They shipped out Voracek, brought in Atkinson, uh, went out and traded for Ristolainen. Niskanen's gone. For some reason, they wanted to keep Ron around for all this. Um, help me out. Who, who am I forgetting? Who's the other trade? Oh, they tried to bring in Ryan Ellis, who I was thinking about the other day. Five points in four games as a flyer. Man, that started out really good, didn't it? Um, so they bring in those guys. They're bringing in players like Cates. Frost is here. Uh, Farabee top, is a top six guy. You know He's going through it right now with the injury or whatever, the surgery. Uh, Cam York's up here. Uh, who am I missing here? Tony D'Angelo wasn't around a while ago. Shane Glasses Bear's gone. The roster, although not very good, is in the process of being rebuilt. What are, I mean, in your eyes, are you like, okay, yeah, we can be in year two of this? Or are you like, no, we need to start over. This is year one of the rebuild. It didn't start under Chuck Fletcher. I am in that. I am in that camp. It should have started at the trade deadline. He obviously failed that. Um, even if it wouldn't have been that much, that's when it starts. What all the names we just mentioned, all that, that was the retool. That was the it was them trying to make a quick fix, put a band-aid on it, you know, stop the hemorrhaging. And a lot of what they did this past season came with a lot of hope. We don't know about Ellis. We don't know about Couturier. We hope they play. We certainly can't use the money they're taking up to bring in anybody else. So when I think of that, that, that doesn't scream rebuild. That screams patchwork to make it work. And it also goes hand in hand with Fletcher. Fletcher was not brought in here to rebuild. He was brought in here to push them over. It didn't work, but he's not going to admit that. And that goes with another thing with Dave Scott. Like this is what happens when you have an, a, a company like Comcast run your team and not a single entity like Schneider. When it's a, when it's a corporation and they, put a person in charge. That person is going to hang on to somebody they appointed to run the team longer than they should because it looks like a failure on them if they fire them. And that looks bad to their bosses. Snyder would fire people left and right because he's his bo- He's the boss. Who's he answered to? Nobody. That's why he didn't care. He said, you're not doing it. Get the hell out of here. Dave Scott said, I got to hang on to Fletcher as long as possible because if he gets fired, then I look like I failed, even though we all know it. It's telling Comcast and the higher ups that I, we fucked up over here. We got to, we got to start all over again. And typically you, you really only get two GMs or before like shit really happens, or I don't even know how that works. I know GMs typically get two coaches and we, we, we've gone through them. So it just, that's why we hung on the slop as long as we did. We don't want to admit defeat and we're just sinking the franchise further and further back. And that's why when you say two years till we're in the bubble, four years until maybe we're a contender, I'm thinking double that. They have set this team back that far with these contracts, this refusal to use the word rebuild and actually enact anything that represents it. All the assets of Fletcher has burned through already. That's why we're in the position we're in. That's why this is there's no adding talent to this roster and making it work. 
get rid of everything they can, except for the young guys, obviously, you know, and there's probably a few names you could talk me into definitely Hart, And even, even TK, I could see sticking around depending on how things go. But if you get a good, if you get a nice deal, you have to make that move. This team is not prepared to wait things out. They need to be proactive, which they haven't been the last three years and start the rebuild now. Cause they have not started it. They, they truly have not. They burned assets last offseason, and they only got what a fifth and a sixth at the deadline. Like th- that's not rebuild. It needs to start, and it needs to start with this offseason and the draft. Well, I'll be interested to see what he does. You know, I, we don't know. We don't know who Danny Briere is. And I'm sorry for guys in the comment, Dan and Miguel. Uh, I don't know if the comments showed up until just now. I could be wrong, but. Couple comments. We're gonna we're gonna get you guys up there, so don't worry. But uh, so I'll be honest with you, Jack. As much as I like the Danny Briere hire here, I can't honestly say that I'm excited to see what he does. I'm more nervous to tell you the truth because I think the players who they can get the most back for. I actually like in Carter Hart and believe it or not, Travis Konechny. I thought he was on his way to having a superstar year. You know, he, he was doing all that with, I don't know, who was he playing with? Kevin Hayes, uh, Morgan Frost. What, what center was Travis Konechny playing with this season? He was over a point per game player. Imagine putting him on a line with a skill guy, you know, and actually, I mean, he had some great years with Claude Giroux. He did it by, I don't want to say he did it by himself this year, but a lot of what TK did, he, he created, which that excites me because, and I think we talked about this in the group chat a while ago. This was my point. If you have a center that can create by default, your wingers, I think, will produce more offensively. Maybe not significantly more, but they'll produce more because the center is putting them in positions to score goals. The center is the guy who's possessing the puck and the guy that's attracting the defenders, right? So the winger usually benefits from good center play. If you're a winger and you don't have the most offensively gifted center and you're put and you're, and you're a point-per-game guy, you know, a potential 35, 40 goal season before he gets hurt. All right. We might have something here in Travis Konechny. Get him someone to play with. We could be looking at, and this is going to sound nuts because of what I said about TK in the past. If he plays this way, we could be looking at an 85, 90 point player, which those are Claude Giroux numbers, right? Not saying Travis Konechny is Claude Giroux, but he could put up those numbers if he plays like he did this season. So I would rather somehow find a way to build, add to the roster, get someone to help TK. When I hear that they're exploring trade options, my thought is, okay, they're thinking the way you're thinking here. With the cap the way it is, we can't bring somebody in to help Travis Konechny. So what can we do? We can either stay how we are now, or we can ship, we can trade him and bring in guys that fit more with the younger players coming up in Frost and Cates, uh, York, players of that ilk. At least that's how I'm 
reading the situation. So maybe it's natural that I would rather them keep talent that they already have rather than trade it and, you know, hopefully get more to bring them all up together. Um, and then obviously Carter Hart, like he's 24. He's when's when's goalie prime? Like once they hit 25, it should be starting, right? 25, 26. Uh, tough, man. It depends on the goalie. Look at Tim Thomas, man. Like he really didn't get going until his thirties. Yeah. You know, like there, it, it, it also depends on your team. Like you get your team to go in. Like I'm, I don't remember how good Quick was when he first was around, but when they added like legitimate talent to that team and a young Dowdy and players of that nature, all of a sudden sky was the limit. You know, yeah. you say that about a lot of goalies. You know, it's 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 tough to say. Um, I do know it's the hardest position to play. It's the hardest position to judge. So like pulling the plug on a guy is pretty stupid. Like even just labeling him already is dumb. Yeah, I'm sorry, but it is. I'd even pump the brakes with a defenseman at this point. You know, like it, it's like they're still young. Like guys don't all you know, grow or progress at the same rate. You know, I think about how goofy goalie is. It's like, come on, you know. But for the rest of your point, I totally understand what you're saying about. Well, let's just get connecting help, and you can have like that superstar line, or the superstar winger, or whatnot. But there's so many other issues with the rest of the team compounded with how you don't have any money so even if you did somehow scrounge together all your picks the rest of your cap and go get that superstar center to play with connecting or whatever however whatever player you're at there's so many other holes that it's like we're gonna come up short you know you're gonna you might make the playoffs but if that's your absolute ceiling is that really worth it you want to be columbus who has this miracle elimination of Tampa, but really has no shot in hell at going to the cup. Like I'd, I'd rather know when to fold them start over. Cause I, I want to see a cup before I die. I've seen enough playoff wins. I grew up with this team in the nineties and the early two thousands, they balled out, but they never got gold and silver in this case. Like they never got the cup, never got to see him drink for the cup. Like I would rather hedge all my bets to get to do that just once just once I look at washington are they upset that they drafted ovechkin in 2006 we'll say and didn't win until 2018 and didn't win after either but they got that one cup 2018 i think all of us would take that we've never seen a cup never there's people who started watching the team in the seventh the late 70s and have never seen a cup like no i'll do whatever we have to do to get this team on the right track with the right people and the right process. And a lot of what you're saying is once they fix the foundation, that's the idea to be a perennial playoff, not just like contender to make the playoffs. They're expected to be in the playoffs, much like uh, Washington and Pittsburgh and Boston and, and teams of that nature have been for 25 years at this point. I'd rather be that team knocking on the door of getting a, a run with a hot goalie or whatever and making the playoffs. I'm sorry, making the Stanley Cup and, and going from there. I'd rather be that team who's always in the tournament where anything can happen because one, you're good enough to belong. And two, you're just you're just a few steps away from being able to string it all together. Cause even we've seen even the best teams, they either lose it, they've lost in the first round, they've got swept in the first round, they don't go all the way. And, and uh, Washington is a perfect example. How many president's trophies did that team win before they finally won the Stanley cup in 2018? Like 
they had been through the ringer. It took them a long time to get over. And, and hey, I'm warning you now with a rebuild, it's only going to get you so far. This isn't a guaranteed thing like people make it off, off to be. We're going to sacrifice this to get this in the end. This is your best shot at it. But at the end of the day, the player's got to play. And I would still rather take that chance than continue to put band-aids with bad contracts and glue and whatever to to try to compete compete for the playoff with no when the ceiling is a second round playoff berth at most. See, I think I think that's where my uh, I think it is a little bit fear. Because you can have arguably the greatest goal scorer in the history of the league and win one Stanley Cup. Or, you know, you can build a team like the Columbus Blue Jackets that one year where they beat the best, I think at the time, the best regular season team or one of the best regular season teams in the NHL. It was. It was at the time. Yeah, and, and that was a lot of fun. I think they you're, I think they lost the next round. But they did. I think for me it would be I would rather take the chance, right? Because end of the day, the Washington Capitals during Ovechkin's tenure only had one more Stanley Cup than the Columbus Blue Jackets, you know? Like, And I know it's like, well, Jim, they, they won the Cup. Like, that's the key, right? But well, it's like... Well, 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 just real quick, and I'm sorry to interject, but you bring up a perfect example. Tampa Bay. That's the team that Columbus beat. Well, that was great for Columbus that year they beat them. They lost in the next round. What did Tampa do since then? Yeah. You know, like they had the team I'm talking about. They got those. Yeah. You want to tell me point and Kucherov for later? Sure. Vasilevsky was a first round pick. Stamkos was the first overall pick of the draft. Hedman was either one or two. You know, like they got those guys. They added to those guys. Yeah. It, it took more than just drafting high. They added the right players well and developed well later in the draft as well. But ultimately, they were the stud team that, yeah, they got bounced in the first round after having the best record ever at the time in the league. But they still later won two Stanley Cups. Like, mm -hmm. I would much rather be that team, that steady team is going to be there multiple times than a team that catches lightning in a box and wins one round. Because you're there's such a limited shelf life and your ceiling is so low. I, I understand there's there's a lot of fear with that. You can bring up teams like Buffalo. And I do think things need to be taken in context. There was no love lost there. Right from the second Eichel was drafted, the GM was shown almost weeping that he didn't get McDavid when they did the draft lottery. Like, there's there's a lot going on. And they they, they should have gotten McDavid, right? They were the worst they team that year or something. Team. They were the worst team. Yes. <laughs> Edmonton wasn't even near the worst team. Edmonton was like sixth or seventh or something. There you go. Edmonton, just finished sixth. Yeah, they, they jumped up. They jumped they jumped up a couple of teams, not just not just Buffalo. And uh, which is good. Good for the lottery, honestly. But um, you know, you gotta this is a, they still they were lucky enough to have an, another number two player who was gonna be a real stud. And they just they didn't build it right. It's because you get the guy, it's not game okay. We're done here. We're good. You have to build correctly. Edmonton gets McDavid, and the first thing Shirelli does is trade Taylor Hall, the one guy who could keep up with McDavid. Obviously, Drysaddle was a prospect still then, but it's just like, why would you do that? Yeah, like, are you kidding me? Like, you do something stupid. One guy is not going to carry your whole team. 
come pretty damn close. But if you build things properly and correctly, you can not just win one cup, you can win multiple. But I'm not even saying a generational talent, just a star. They still lack a star to go with some of the other talent they have. Then you have something. Then you take that money that you should have because you're not paying these young guys and add to the team. Then you're in the playoffs. Then you're getting experience because that's the other thing. You got to get playoff experience. You're not going to just hit, make the playoffs and just go all the way. Like those prospects aren't real. Those guys don't exist. Maybe Gretzky and eight, what, what even, even then they, they went to, I think they went to the cup and lost then won the next season. Gretzky was drafted in either 79 or 80. He didn't go right to the cup. They took three or four seasons before they, they took off. It's going to take time. And again, I know you're not liking this because it's not only did we draft in the guy, now we have to wait for him to learn how to play in the league. Right. And he needs playoff. to get his Stanley. He needs and, to get his playoff and, experience. And we're talking right. like four or five. And know, that's why this should have started before when I was, you know, waving my arms about it. But instead, we tried the patchwork deal. And it didn't work. It's not going to work. It can't work. Not with this team. Maybe another team, but not with this team. And that's why I'm saying, you can, and I think the team finally agrees, and most people are finally getting on this friggin' boat that I've had free passage on for a while. And it's like, we're, we're done with the patchwork. We see it doesn't work, whether they have no faith in the organization, which is totally understandable, or they think the st- strategy is flawed. They are, we'll just start over. We'll do it right, as Danny Briere said, which I hope I hope he does. And we'll have a real foundation. We'll play Flyers hockey, at least old-time Flyers hockey, and we'll go from there. And the odds of something like that working are, in my opinion, triple to quadruple better than trying to make this slop work. Yeah, so Hextall Hextall didn't do much for the roster, but he – he didn't do much draft-wise. But one thing he did do is he made some – he cleared some cap for the next GM. And the next GM did not utilize what was given to him properly. And so not that I'm – I'm not ready to wave a white flag, but I'm like, well, they're pretty much out of options now, you know. So it's like, all right, Sure. If you're going to commit to a plan, you say, you're you saying you're going to rebuild, okay, go for it. But do it quickly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I just, I can't, you know, I've, I, I know that I, I don't control any of this, obviously. It's going to be what it's going to be. But, like, honestly, I'm saying... Three years? I don't know if I could take two more years of, you know, like it was fun this year because like, oh, the Flyers are playing hockey again. Like we we haven't watched real hockey in two years. I know they've been bad for a lot longer, but the last two years have been an absolute joke. Like, Jack, have you ever had less fun watching the Flyers? So I think, and you've said this before, I think things got so low that when we watch this year, it's just like, even though they're like 24, 32, and 11, whatever it is, just watching them actually have a pulse has been a treat. It's been like, oh, this is what it's like to watch hockey again, you know? Uh, yeah, and then you go. had one 10 game losing streak this year. That was nice. 
And then, and then you go watch like an Edmonton, uh, Toronto game. And it's like, Whoa, flyers have a little bit of a ways to go here still, but you, you know what I'm saying though? It's like all too well. Yeah. So, uh, I just don't know how much more I can take of, I just want to have fun watching games. I want to be invested in games again. Um, you know, and I'm sure when the time comes, it's going to be, oh, well, you know, Carter Gauthier looks pretty good tonight. They could have something there. And, you know, I, I before the season, I'll tell you the truth, I was not excited for Noah Cates. I didn't <laughs> give a damn how he would blame ball. you. I, didn't, I don't care. Like, uh, these young guys had enough. Do it or don't do it, but let's go. And if you can't, replace him quickly. Find a solution. So, Jim, so and this is totally understandable. Everything you said makes sense. I understand your frustration. I understand your lack of wanting to wait because you've already kind of waited and you're just ready for relevant hockey. Everything you said, you said with emotion. Decisions should not be made with emotion. They should be made with logic and reasoning. And that, that is the divide. That well, is the divide. I, so I, I agree. And yeah, and yeah, I'm being a little emo right now. I just, I, I'm being stubborn. I, I don't want to watch, I don't want to watch the Flyers to watch guys come up through the pipeline anymore. It's fun for a little bit. This is just my, you know, for me, because I understand. I get, I get the whole, you know, let's watch players develop. They're going to be the guys of the future, yada, yada. I'm just, I'm done with that. Like, I just want to watch for wins again. I want to watch for, hey, it's, it's April. It's May. You know what that means? It's playoff time. You know, you get home from work, uh, uh, you, you turn on the game at night or 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, it's playoff hockey. I miss that. You know, so selfishly, I want that. As soon as possible. I know everybody does for sure. Um, but uh, I think, you know, as far as, all right, well, we're going to have that, but it's going to be in, you know, five, four or five years. Uh, it's it's so hard for me to just say, okay, for that. You know, it's, I just, I can't, I just, I'm not, I'm not happy with that, you know? I know. And that's emotion. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. Like I, I envision myself going through my my late 20s and my 30s right before i got married and had kids uh just one right now you know hanging out with my friends watching lengthy playoff runs because this team has always been that way and it's been a kind of a nightmare like i'm like this team has never been this bad for this long i was robbed of of that like camaraderie with my friends cheering for this team which every other philly sport has essentially given us to some degree um you know I, i'm not going to get that with this team i'm at the point now my son's two in two weeks he's getting close to being able to comprehend what the hell is going on, <laughs> on tv you know i was i was brought in like before the team traded for lindros like a year how young i was it was like 91 or two like early too. Like I think it was 91, maybe even 1990. Like I was four years old when I went to my first game and I was hooked because the team, that was actually kind of a downturn for that team, but they were never this bad. They were never bottom of the league bad. They were just not as good. Then they go and get one of the best players in the league. It's like, yeah, we don't mess around here. We had a down year to me. You know, what is that? No, this is not what we do here. And it's been playoff or it's been Stanley Cup or bust has been this team's like motto pretty much since Snyder's created the team and been alive. 
we were most of us were built under that mantra that's why this whole rebuild thing is like foreign to us we never did it that way but we're at the point now where we see what pittsburgh did in the 80s and the devils did in the 80s and how they rebuilt and then again pittsburgh in the 2000s and washington and i could go on and on man i mean chicago the um the Kings, Colorado, even a team that was winning at the same time I was talking about us trying to win. They went through a rebuild. They won the Stanley cup. Like you've seen it work. How many more times we have to see it work before we stop pulling out the one, Oh, the blues pulled it off once that one time, you know, like, like why don't we roll with the averages? Maybe, you know, that seems to work. Yeah, there's a lot of luck involved. I'll roll the dice. I've seen enough bullshit to roll. The, I'll roll the dice. I will restock the deck completely. Like, I've had enough. Like, I understand that while this is admirable, this is passionate, there is no light at the end of this tunnel. We need to stop, start over, and do it right. See, that? that's me right there. Just takes one time, one good it's run. Hard. Get there, and, and maybe that says... <laughs> Maybe this says, you know, it just says whatever about me that it's like, yeah, you know, just do it one time. That's all I need. But uh, I mean, ultimately, if you want to build lasting, sustained success, yes, you need to absolutely draft well, you know, and I, I understand you need a plan for the roster. You want everybody to be, you know, similar in age is what we saw before was the wrong way to do it, where they had Giroux, Voracek, Simmons. Uh, you know, a bunch of older vets. And then there was like a huge age gap between guys like Sanheim, Provorov, uh, and, and Konechny. Didn't work. There was disconnect. We, we heard that there was, you know, clicks, yada, yada, in the locker room. So what they're doing is they're, you know, I get it. They're trying to come up with a plan. They're going to build a group of players under 25 and move forward with those guys. Makes sense. I hope, Jack, for your sake and mine, it works out. And we see results sooner rather than later. I'm going to try to mentally prepare myself for, you know, a long thing here. But right now I still have it in me. If it goes longer than two years, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I'm hoping you see enough in those two years that gives you hope enough to be like, okay, they Maybe. don't have to win the Stanley Cup yet. I'm yeah. willing to just accept uh, a really good push this year. If, if, and I've said this with Travis, like if they get the prospect that like, God forbid they got Bernard, but even a few other names in this, in this, uh, this draft coming up, Vitelli, Mishkanov, like guys of that nature, like they get that prospect. Then I'm already kind of like, I'm kind of okay with them winning next year, like pushing for it. Kind of seeing, I just want to see everybody play well together and all improve, you know, because the guy that should be able to build around, truly build around, might already be in the system. Okay, that's a different story. If they're looking at the eighth pick, you know, it's kind of like, what do you do? I, you know, I, I, yeah, it could be, it could be good. You know, you're gonna have to free up a lot of money. Is the option because the odds of uh, Gautier and whoever we get that late in this draft, not that it's that late. Um, is that going to be enough to build around? Is that going to be enough to create your new core? And by the time they're ready to go, are you going to even have the money to do, to give them the help they need? Because the other players you have on the contract are either not good, hurt, or too old. Yeah. Well, what do you say we move on to a topic I'm sure you will enjoy very much since we are almost an hour into the show. 56 minutes we're in. Um, last night, Jack... 
a historic night for the tank. A near perfect. Actually, it was, I mean, near perfect. I guess everybody would have got at least a point. Every team beneath the Flyers in the standings gained at least a point except for the Anaheim Ducks, so they did not play. The Flyers were passed in the standings by the Montreal Canadiens and the Arizona Coyotes. The Columbus Blue Jackets uh, racked up two points in overtime against the Sharks, was it? The Sharks got the loser point. And I believe the Blackhawks beat the Boston Bruins 6-3, to which is insane. A team that has not really lost at all all year. The Blackhawks get two points of regulation. I'll take that. Two-game losing streak for Boston, too. What's wrong uh, What's wrong up in Boston? Um, yeah. Yeah. Trouble in paradise. Yeah. Flyers <laughs> fall to fifth place in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes or the uh, NHL draft lottery odds. They're currently uh, fifth from last in the standings. Only Columbus, San Jose, Chicago, and I'm missing – oh, Anaheim are below the Flyers in the standings. Jack, talk about last night because it was kind of fun. Everybody in the group chat was watching these games. They were rooting for, you know, all the games that we wanted to see uh, win and and whatnot. Obviously, nobody was really rooting for the Flyers to lose. So it was more so Montreal needs to win. They beat the Pens, which was great. Uh, The Blackhawks beat the Bruins, which who the hell thought that was going to happen? That was great. Um, And then, yeah, the overtime game between Columbus and San Jose. Columbus, I think are 10 points behind the Flyers now. I think there's 15 or 16 games left, so very unlikely that Columbus catches the Flyers. But I don't see too many wins left on the Flyers' schedule. You want to talk about last night a little bit, Jack? Yeah, for everything you just said, between the Bedard sweepstakes, the teams below us, and the remaining schedule for the Flyers, last night couldn't have gone better. Started off with – it was funny because a lot of these teams jumped out the leads and were like, they won't hold them, and a lot of them didn't. Like those games were tied. I think was Montreal up like three or four nothing on Pittsburgh before Pittsburgh started scoring again. Or yeah, or I think it was something crazy like that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Pittsburgh was up two nothing before Edmonton scored forced unanswered goals. Was up four to two, and you're thinking, oh crap, here we go. But then Pittsburgh comes back, and it's four to three, and then it's back and forth tilt, and they pulled it off. It's like okay, but I could see that Pittsburgh hasn't been all that good this year. So it's like, I could see that I'll take it. Montreal winning. That's great. That's a good, no matter already, if the night ends, I'll take it. And, and then I see the black horse went up one, nothing on Boston. And I jokingly said in the, in the chat, like, and let's go. They're up one, nothing. And we joked, there's no way, there's no way. I know it was tied. It might've been tied going into the third or the black Hawks had a lead. One, it got, it got later, later into the game. Then they added an insurance goal. Then they got the empty netter. It's like, holy shit, the Blackhawks just beat Boston, the most unlikely winner of the night. Coyotes. The Coyotes go to overtime and beat the uh, the Flames. The Flames, who are probably not going to make the playoffs, I would be shocked, but still had something to play for technically. And the Coyotes come out and beat them. It's like, okay, this is just silly now. Now, now I feel like I'm being um, spoiled. When they, you know, the Canucks, I'm not, I don't remember exactly where they are on the list, but to see them win, get two points against the Stars who lead their division, that was impressive. And then finally, one of the night was, and they're very low in the state. I think their last two teams were playing each other, the two lowest teams in San Jose 
and Columbus go to overtime. So they each get a point. I think I would probably prefer San Jose to get the point because um, the extra point rather, because they're closer to us. Ultimately, I don't think it matters, but the fact that they each got a point and then Columbus gets two points, is like, wow, up a lot of ground in one day. So I saw a lot of a uh, great night for the tank crowd. Um, all due respect. Is there something else the team should be doing right now at this point? Um, I want everybody to play well, which they pretty much did, especially Nick Sealer. Um, they Goal of the year. We didn't even mention that. I know that, that that's Connor McDavid move made um, Shea Theodore. <laughs> I heard he uh, had to retire immediately after that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and they still lost in regulation. Most guys look good. They are who they are. You know, it is what it is. And have everybody else win. It's like, yeah, well, I don't care what, what team you're with, rebuild, retool, you know, whatever. Um, getting a better draft pick is good regardless. So, yeah, this is exactly what you want them to do. Yeah, it was a perfect night for all Flyers fans because of the circumstances we're in and where we are going forward. Yeah. Uh, it was fun, which, you know, usually this time of year, not much fun to be had, but. Yeah, it was fun. We were all rooting for the same things, and we were watching games that weren't the Flyers. You know, a lot of upsets. Obviously, Chicago and Montreal, two upsets. But uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, it took—I don't know when did the season start? September, October. It took six months for me to get to this point where it's like, all right, yeah, start losing. Let's watch other games here. Um, so, you know, it's it's. Fun to watch meaningful hockey, even if it's not the meaningful hockey that you want to be watching, you know? So, I don't know. That's, it was, it was fun. Who, who would have thought, if, if, if you were to bet Montreal and Chicago last night, you probably would have won a couple bucks, you know? Oh, easily. I said I was going to throw a hundred bucks on Boston just to make sure Chicago was going to win. Because, you know, if I would have bet Chicago, I would have lost. Boston would have had an amazing comeback, yada, yada. And I would have been out of 100 bucks. So, yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, kind of go through real quick here. So I don't want to leave anything out. It's uh, Sean Couturier was skating, has been skating for a couple weeks, Jack. What are your thoughts on this? Do you want to see him get in a game this year? What's the What's the – what would be the reasoning for that? I mean, what are your thoughts on Sean Couturier right now? I mean, from a team perspective, you want to see what, what you have, what he's working with, what he's described, how he had after surgery, it was an instant flare up when he really won hundred percent saying that that's not the case. That's a good sign. Um, as far as W's and L's, it doesn't make any sense at all, but I get getting him into a few games to see what you have. Um, I really, I just, I don't want to see him come back and play the rest of the games of this season. It just feels like he's just overdoing it. Um, do they really think they're going to do something next year? You know, just see enough of what you need to see in Couturier to know you can rely on him going into next season in some capacity. In, in a sense that he's going to show up for work, he's going to play, and that this issue isn't something that's going to be reoccurring every year, uh, whether you're trying to trade him. I seriously doubt that happens whenever contract 
um, or just play or rebuild, try to rebuild and have him in your plans in some capacity, probably because you have to with that contract. So, yeah, you want to see some things, um, but you just need to keep it realistic, and there's no point to trot him out every game until the end of the season. Yeah, that's – I thought it was – yeah, it's fine if he wants to skate. So here's something that I had to keep in mind a little bit. Because I, I was, I'm on the side of, no, what is the point of getting him in any games? Uh, I don't even really see the point in him taking part in practice right now. I, I, I don't want the guy hurt. He has as much time as he needs. Make sure whatever needs to heal, heals up. On the other side of that, you can't force the guy to, to do anything, I guess. He's a hockey player. This is what he does. He plays hockey. And so if he feels good enough to skate and he can't further injure his back doing so, yeah, let him skate. Let him practice, however that may be. When it comes to putting him in games, I get a little worried, especially, I mean, consider what we know about the Flyers and injuries the last bunch of years. I know things are different this year in regards to the 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 team of trainers and whatnot. If he does come back and he gets hurt, what are we going to be saying? Are we going to blame the trainers? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's really pointless for him to play. I, 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 I get it. Hockey player, healthy, wants to play. Should you let him? Because you have a responsibility now. I mean, this guy's under contract for seven more years, is it? Making over $7 million. Arguably, when healthy, the most important player on the Flyers. Do you want to take the chance in a meaningless game in March or April that this guy could get re-injured again? Or you want to give him a couple extra months, go build up some strength, yada, yada, come in the camp, ready to go. If you get hurt, I mean... I don't know. That that would be my approach. And on the other side, of, on the third side of this coin is he's going to get hurt whether he plays now or down the road. So find out now, I guess, right? Sucks to say it like that. Or am I wrong, Jack? I don't think you're wrong at all. I mean, this is what we, this is the hand we've been dealt. It kind of irked me. I mean, I, I kind of respected it, but it also kind of irked me at the same time. When he had come out and was like, this is a rebuild. That's not what I signed up for or thought I was signing up for. Comments from Couturier. And it's like, well, yeah, a lot of that has to do with all the money we gave you and you're not here. You know, so uh, if you, that's how you feel, have you been following the team? Remember Ellis? Remember that guy? Atkinson? Remember those guys? Like, hello? You know, like, yeah, yeah, that was the idea was to win. If the, the plan was flawed, it failed. And part of that was your, you being unavailable. And how much longer are you going to be unavailable? Because now you've missed a whole season when you haven't played, you know? So I want to see, I could see like the last six games of the season, he plays three or four of them just because why not use real game tape and real game action to see if he's capable of whatever you need. There's no need for him to play 20 games or whatever it is. That's too much. And even then I have a scenario set up where you give him, you don't play him every day. You know, try him here. Give him a day. I'll try him there. Give him a day. I'll try him here. Maybe push it. 
given, and then you're done. You know, shut him down for the last two games. Go into the off season, see how he feels, see what you're working with. You know, new new programs, new third, fourth, eight opinions on his issue, and you go from there. There's there's nothing to be had here except for if you really want to because he's interested in trying to make it work here with these guys and winning. I mean, it is what you paid him for. You should at least know the asset you have. And if you do want to potentially try to dangle him, don't see that trade happening, but you never know. You're going to want to make sure he's healthy and he can play. So, I mean, it's very minor stuff that can probably wait till last season, but it's uh, next season, excuse me. But at the same time, if you have a few games where you can sneak him in, you should playing him any more than 10 games with this rate. It seems silly to me. It seems pointless and a little bit reckless. Yeah. That's, that's again, it's more out of fear and worry more than anything. Cause I would like to see Sean Couturier back in the Flyers lineup sooner rather than later. And he would be a huge boost if he is in fact, uh, can prove that he is healthy. So well, how, how many times have we seen with this team where which we know is already flawed and we go into like the start of the season and we're down two, three guys. It's like that the roster already isn't that good. They may be serviceable. And now you're down a couple of your top guys to be, to start the season. Like Jesus, like their off season program, whatever they're doing, it don't work. Like, come on, do something different. And they, they have been making changes in that, in that department. I think Atore is a little different, you know, Rumors out there that his uh, injury might not just be a surgery or two away from fixing, if you know what I mean. Yep, for sure. All right, so we are now an hour and 10 minutes in. I don't want to spend too much time on this topic, Jack. We only have about 10 minutes left in the show, Uh, but it's something that I think we should at least bring up. It's certainly the topic of of conversation uh, on Twitter the last day or so. And, I'm, uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen the incident. It's uh, Carson Briere, the son of Danny Briere. Uh, I think the sto- from the video, he pushed a wheelchair down the steps at some bar or, or club or, or whatever. And, you know, it sparks a lot of conversation. I, I'm kind of hesitant there calling it conversation. And I, I'm not going to – what I don't want to do – on our show, Jack, is preach or, you know, talk about uh, politics or try to make myself seem like um, better than anybody, uh, like my opinions matter more than other people's opinions matter. Because I, I think, you know, I've said it multiple times, like in the, at the end of the day, no, we don't really matter. Like nobody really matters. Like, sure, you matter to your your family and probably a couple close friends is the God's honest truth. But anyway, I'm getting off tangent already. Through throws a wheelchair down the steps. Everybody's upset. Uh, which sure, fine, be upset. Uh, it was wrong what he did, right? Like no one. I, I haven't seen one person say that this wasn't a big deal. That, that, you know, what he did, you know, oh, just being a kid. No, anybody that I've said see that has said, first off, this is wrong. But, you know, let's, this is what he did here. Like, okay, like, I remember when I was 21, 22, 23, I've done a lot of stupid things. Personally, I, I've never 
thrown a wheelchair down the steps. I'm not sure that if I saw one, that would be my first instinct. You know, Jack, like this is not, again, I'm not trying to say that I'm a better person than Carson Breer. I don't know the guy, right? I'm certainly not going to trash somebody on the internet for doing something like that. Uh, It's just not in my nature, just not something I actively seek to do. I can see I can see Carson Breer throw a wheelchair down the steps and think to myself, wow, that's fucked up. And go on about my day. Do you know what I mean? Where I where I do have a problem with a little bit, and I joked around with it on Twitter a little bit today. I, I knew it was gonna turn into something, was I have a real issue with virtue signaling or people, not all people, but some people who want to throw the book at a kid and you can call them young adult. You can call them whatever you want. 23 to me, I'm 35 years old, 23 years old as a kid. I mean, Jack, when you were 23, would you have called yourself a young adult? Only because I had to. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you, we were working, we were doing young adult things, but mentally you're a kid. So when a kid does something stupid, doesn't excuse what he did. I am not going to attempt to ruin this kid's life. And I'm not going to go on the internet and try to make myself look better by saying negative things about a person that I don't know. It's just weird to me. And so all I did today was point those people out. You know, you can see a video of somebody doing something wrong and continue about your day once i mean think about what you're doing a little bit here well see i don't even really want to get into that because the first thing people do is why are you sticking up for him jim nowhere nowhere did i say what he did is okay like it's so where i make a mistake is jack is i assume that people know that i don't condone that because who would they know jim they know, but that hurts the narrative. Who? I mean, who would say, uh, yeah, he should have done that? No. It's, <laughs> dude, yeah. why would you do that? Yeah, you're okay with what he did. You, Yeah. Um, first off, um, I matter to you, right, Jim? Of course. Yeah, you said friends and a, you said a family and a couple friends. You didn't say yourself. So you're, oh, you're one uh, of the couple, of course. You're now, you're now canceled from life. <laughs> um, yeah, no, dude, if I could tell you the things I was dared to do, between and I'm not saying he was dared to do it. I'm just saying I've done some really dumb shit because I was dared to do it from ages 17 to 25, 26. <laughs> like if I had these same people out me, then I might not have a job today the way the world is. And I don't think that's fair. I think people may, they don't, a lot of what I've saw on Twitter was, well, you don't understand this is this person's way of getting around. They're, they're a prisoner to wherever they are because this is, is broken and they can't get themselves up the stairs. And, and it's a really expensive chair, all very valid points. Does, I don't think a 23 year old is grasping all of that when they make the act and they're under the influence of alcohol. As a matter of fact, I know they're not. Because I sure as hell didn't. I never was in a position to do what he did. But I know that 
if I was in the position, I wouldn't have thought of everything I just said because I was a 23-year-old kid. He should be punished. He should have to pay for any damages personally, not his parents. You know, like he should have to do community service or work something out. I'm, I don't know what the answer is to what he does, but there should be some legitimate punishment. Like, like my father would have thrown me down the steps after the, the wheelchair and then put me to, through two or three walls. Then my real punishment would have started after that, the one that went on the books, you know, <laughs> you're not behind the scenes. All right, so let's get that straight. Uh, and you don't, we don't know what they're going to do. I think a lot of people assume, oh, he's got a last name Briere. He's going to skate, you know, no pun intended, you know, but in uh, and, and there, there was the whole thing with him being dismissed from his, his one hockey club. You know, that shouldn't just be, I mean, that only came really came out. People only know about it now because of this, but it, it, it shows a, a um, history of bad behavior, even though there's no context to why he was dismissed. I'm not condoning that. If you're dismissed, it had to have been bad. It had to have been pretty bad. Let's let's get that out of the way. Everything I say has to be with a uh, disclaimer, you know, so I don't get canceled. Um, but like at the end of the day, he's not gra- He's not old enough. His brain isn't developed enough to grasp why what he did is as bad as it is because he's twenty three freaking years old. He's a kid. Yeah. He's a kid. He's a baby. Twenty three is young. It's so young should get his parents should throw the book at him. His parents, yeah. not society. He's 23 years old. Holy shit. That's kind of where I come with. Like you could argue, well, no, I don't really want to say it like that. But if he, if his last name wasn't Briere, Jack, we'd have no idea that this happened. And I wonder if that video would have even made it to Twitter. Do you know what I'm saying? Probably not. I can only assume that somebody tipped off the owner of the place and said, oh, that's Danny Briere's kid. And all of a sudden, it's all over Twitter. Now, I don't know what goes on in that family, yada, yada. But, uh, I mean, growing, growing up for me, uh, I don't want to say that. So my family worked hard for everything that we have today. And uh, I always had this in mind to – not that I – not that I always thought about – I would make a real attempt to not do something stupid uh, to people, to uh, property, whatever it is. Uh, and you know, the number one reason, because I didn't want to get my family in trouble. I didn't want anything to come back to them, right? Because my family owned businesses growing up, and so they always had the business in mind. You know, if I do this, they're not going to come after me. They're going to go after my family. You know what I mean? For money, because that's what people do. So I always had that in mind. Having said that, yes, I was a kid as well. And I've done more than my fair share of stuff. Uh, Probably some of it's, you know, people took pictures and videos, I'm sure. Um, But my my last name's not Briere, so... Of course, nobody saw it. Uh, again, it sounds like I'm condoning what he did by by saying all it this. It really doesn't, though, Jim. It really doesn't. I feel like you feel the need to say that because that's been thrown in your face so many times yeah. by people, by at least 75% of people who had pretty bad histories but are still throwing stones because that's the way the world is. Let's be real. Those are the same people. But you don't have to say that. Like you're, What you're saying is fine. We only feel the need to disclaimer everything. Because it's so easy to be attacked. Right. And, and, and 
honestly, this is me trying to watch what I'm saying. Like I'm trying to think before I say something. I, I'm, I have to be careful of what I say or you know, I have to be responsible with what I say. So even now I'm trying to be responsible. And I think, I think I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, right? And, you know, you could say, well, it's right on video. What kind of benefit of the doubt are you giving them? All right. Yeah, you're right. He pushed the thing down the steps. Let's say, Jack, because this is this is where I really come from with with my take and why it, it irks me so badly why people take to the Internet to further bring somebody down. If it was you that push that wheelchair down and people are going to go, well, I would never do that. Well, if you did, would you want to be judged the same way? Would you want people to treat you the same way that, that you're treating this person? This is still a person. They are wrong for what they did, right? But I, in my opinion, well, I don't want to say anything about anybody else, but for, for myself, when the day comes, because none of us are perfect, when the day comes that I make a mistake, right? I do something where immediately after I'm like, shit, should not have done that. But I did it or I said it. Now I have to suffer the consequences. I would hope that people would show me the, the mercy or the compassion that I'm, I would show them, right? Imagine throwing stones at somebody who... You know, if, if you were them, you wouldn't want stones thrown at. So why are you doing it? And it bothers the hell out of me because what you do is basically you're going out into the town square and shouting to the rest of the town, look how bad Carson Briere is. Look how good I am. That's <laughs> what you're doing. And it, it bothers me. If you want to be a good person, go out and do something nice. You're, you're, not, you're not a good person because you're trashing some kid on the internet it doesn't make you good. And so I've had conversations with some people. So like, you know, my tweet was, I was stirring the pot a little bit. Uh, you know, I was being a jerk. You guys know how I can be sometimes. And you know, it's fun for reactionary reasons, whatever. I actually had a good conversation tonight with uh, somebody on Twitter. Um, I will say this, Twitter is probably the absolute worst place to have a conversation. It's why, you know, with all these, the quote tweets and yada, yada, that's just another example of, you know, trying to show people that you might not even know how good you are by putting somebody else down. Look at this person's opinion. Can't believe he thinks that way. Why, why are you quote tweeting it? Think about that. Think about what you do and why you do it. So back to the, the conversation, I mean, two people from, you know, maybe different perspectives, on the issue, both agree, obviously, that what he did was wrong, right? But when you actually take the time and have a conversation with somebody and listen to why they feel the way they do, you can come to understanding. You don't have to agree. I mean, really, there's nothing to disagree on here. What he did was wrong. It's amazing. You can have a conversation with people. Twitter, the actual Twitter sphere is designed to be very mic droppy. Sure. Like you, you say what you say and that's it. See ya. 
I mean, you got your head got called today for your job that you don't have. <laughs> yeah, dude, and that's what I was cracking me up too. I'm like, yeah, I wish somebody would pay. God forbid Are you kidding me? somebody has a different opinion. What a what a weird. Why? why let's all think the same. Well, and yeah, that, that, that comes with stupid. that comes with all that, Jack. It's like it's funny because the people who I was attempting to make fun of just made my point in almost every single response. Tenfold. Like, all right, these same people are. Uh, you know, ret- uh, what are they doing? They they want to make themselves look better by trashing somebody else. Okay, look how high the first ones to do it too. Yeah, they gotta get it out there. Quote, tweet. This guy's a dick. Look what I found, everybody. Look what I found. The very next tweet is something nasty, and it's like, well, what happened to all that? You know, look how good I am. Talk like, do you realize you're being a a piece of shit while you're trying to make yourself look good? Somebody. Somebody who is is good, I don't think has to project that they're good. They just are, you know, and they 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 do the right things. They don't need to show. Uh, they just don't need to do that, in my opinion. So it, it irks me. And, you know, maybe I should be more careful with what I put out there. And maybe that's a me thing. You know, I need to practice self-control and if something irks me. I don't need to start a little mini war on Twitter over it. You know, I can just go on about my day. Um, but in that moment, I said what I said and I stand behind it. Number one. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, kind of what it is. Let's, you know, for you. Don't, I I just don't, I'll just in closing. I don't think somebody that young, whose mind's not nearly fully developed probably has a little bit of entitlement. Mm -hmm. I understand what you're saying about, you know, my family, my dad, this, that, the other thing. When alcohol gets into the mix, and no, it's not an excuse. He should he should face any, you know, punishment from his parents from who he harmed, whether it's paying for the wheelchair or and, and then some or whatever. He should totally face all that. Nothing's being condoned here. I don't think his life should have to come to an end. No, I, I don't think he should not be allowed to have a family and support it one day. Like, I don't think it needs, you made this one mistake. You're forever screwed. You go off to cancel Island, which I don't know where that is and what people do if they grow crops or what, I don't know how that works, but I don't think that it needs to be, look how horrible this 23 year old is. Let's all point fingers at him the rest of his life. I don't think that is the appropriate response to what we're supposed to be a society where people learn, they grow, you know, they mature. Mm-hmm. He's not mature. He's 23 years old. He's not mature. I didn't mature till I was, I'm probably still not matured. You know, I got better, but I'm <laughs> definitely not matured. You know, well, you're like, not throwing wheelchairs down the steps, so yeah. Well, okay. you know, there's still time. You know? <laughs> no, I, I, uh, <laughs> no, I would never do that. Um, and nor will my son. But if he did, his life shouldn't have to come to an abrupt halt. You know, people make mistakes all the time. People who are saying he should have the book thrown on, I guarantee you, those people made mis- mistakes, and they came back from those mistakes. You learn from your mistakes. So yeah, yep. should it, it's not, nobody's overlooking it. Just stop saying that it's stupid. It's a horrible response. Nobody's overlooking anything. It's, we get it. It was bad. It needs to be dealt with, but at the end of the day, it's not really any of our business. Okay. We all stall it. Say what you got to say, move on with life. Yep. Pretty much. So my last thing here will be, it's, it's easy to have compassion, to show empathy to love people who don't do anything wrong for, you know, victims of 
things like today, it's 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 easy to put yourself in the victim's shoes and you know you can feel the 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 anger and the sadness. You know, somebody did that to you. It's very, very it's hard if you want to challenge yourself, it's hard to put yourself in the wrongdoer's shoes. It's hard to do that. Why would he why did he do this? You know, okay, he did it. Now there's going to be repercussions. There's there's going to be we've all been in the principal's office. We've all been in trouble before. How did you feel in those moments? You know, you were afraid. Okay, they're going to tell my parents. What's going to happen when they tell my parents? You know, because you 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 said it, Jack. The punishment at home is always it's always worse than what happens at school. You know, so I mean, maybe I'm assuming a lot here, but it, it, I'm trying to say it's it's hard to have compassion and empathy for the people who made the mistake. It, you know what I mean? I'm sure there's regret. I would assume there's regret. Um, so um, I, I, I try to assume the best and, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. And, hey, maybe I'm stupid for that. Maybe I'm the idiot. I don't know. Maybe Maybe what everybody's saying is true. And I'm just a jackass, you know, but I have my convictions. I, I stand firmly in them. And uh, it just is what it is. It's it was an unfortunate event. Less than a week after yeah. after Briere became interim GM, just is that nothing can be good. Is that not the Flyers? Yeah. Hey, if you want to tie it back to team, let's see if Danny Briere can uh, hold his uh, people accountable. Well, we'll find out. All right. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, boys and girls. So uh, we went a little bit over an hour and a half here. Here's a, a, a link. Copy that link, hoo.be forward slash hwhockey. You can find all of our links to our social media there, as well as our site and our merch store. I'm getting the merch store up and running. So if you go on there, don't buy anything yet. Um, give it some time. Give me, a, give me a week. I'll have it up and running. And you guys can buy whatever you want. Uh, we've got a lot of new merch up there for you guys. Hopefully you like it. Uh, I'm wearing, actually, the shirt. Let me see if, I, if you're watching. That's Rebuild Back Better. It's a play on the old build back better hopefully you guys like that one you can get it off the site as soon as it's up or just dm me and we'll work something out there um yeah we're on youtube now subscribe give us a five-star review and head over to apple Podcasts or spotify and do the same please would mean a lot to us uh jack any final thoughts before we close out this bad boy oh geez that was pretty good i guess i'll go with uh all you fantasy hockey guys out there, people, excuse me, people, um, it's playoff time. Good luck to you all. I'm sure you grinded, moved and shaked as much as you needed to to put your team in proper position to win. Uh, I found myself in a very precarious situation this year, and I'm hoping for the best, and I'm happy to be here, and good luck to you all. <laughs> Jack, you, you won even if you lose this year. Definitely, definitely view it that way. That is for sure. I mean, so real quick, just in case. So Jack's uh, Jack was selling off at the deadline. Uh, ended up making the playoffs as one of the one of the highest scoring teams, and he has the number one overall pick next season already, which means he's playing for the opportunity to win the league and then draft Connor Bedard. Amazing. I mean, that, that's probably the best thing outside of going undefeated. I think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you win the championship and you, and you get Connor Bedard, screw undefeated. I mean, 10 and 11. I know, like, but that's cares? something I can hold over everybody's head for a long time. 
because there's there's a lot of weeks, but still, yeah, it's pretty close. Is my point. Like that's that is something. The craziest um, thing is, Jack, is I didn't really look at your uh, like. I, I didn't know which draft pick he had, but I, I don't think until you mentioned it a week or so ago that I ever thought you were in the uh, Bedard sweepstakes. And then I saw that and I was like, holy fuck, he, he might really actually get him. I knew enough that I was in the sweepstakes. I just didn't think it was going to happen, especially with the one team being so bad. Somebody had to tell me. Somebody had to tell me a week before the season ended, and it was like almost a foregone conclusion at that point. Like that's how close it was. It was like they had to like, okay, they can't change now. It's too big of a blowout on two different games. You know, you're probably gonna get you're gonna get this pick unless my math's wrong. And I've had multiple people tell me like, yeah, it's yours. And I'm like, damn. And at the same time, I was checking the schedule Monday morning, and I'm like, I didn't even know if I officially made the playoffs. I was like, I'm gonna pick up players and set my lineup like I did just to be safe, but. I don't know if because the commissioners had to get in there and rearrange everything, but the page wouldn't load like the standings page, the playoff picture page. And I checked again later in the afternoon, maybe even the next day, to be honest. And uh, I was like, oh shit, I did make the playoffs and I'm playing the team. I traded my players to, which is hilarious. Yeah, that is pretty amazing how that worked out for you. Uh, yeah. If I lose, hope you win. Face my brother. <laughs> same my friend <laughs> all right let's wrap this bad boy up we're gonna have to, hopefully we both win we can talk more fantasy next week uh if you're in the fantasy playoffs let us know you know drop some comments in the chat and uh, let's talk some fantasy hockey that'd be fun hopefully next week's a little bit more positive of a show i mean danny Briere's new gm sean couturier skating what more could we possibly ask for this week in philadelphia uh, you didn't even name the best part all those, all those teams below us getting big wins. That's right. That's right. And, uh, uh, yeah, perfect tank night. So, uh, yeah, until next week, boys and girls, uh, next time you catch us live, should probably be next Wednesday. I assume Travis will be back with us. Uh, so in the meantime, drink your green stuff or don't. I, I don't care. Take your vitamins. Enjoy the rest of your night. And uh, let's go Flyers.